0: Well, church, if you have your Bibles, open them to 1 Peter chapter 1 for a message entitled Prepare Your Mind for Action. So if you're here this morning, you think, man, Rusty, as a Christian, what am I supposed to do? Help me out. What am I supposed to do? Well, this is a great message that God has in store for us from The one that he used, Peter, we saw that Peter was a broken man when he wrote this, as in broken is in a good thing. Broken and a good thing, as in he wasn't large and in charge. I can do it all by myself, Peter. He was, I am humble under God's authority, going to be used by the king, Peter. And that is the Peter that we get here. So what I first want to do is I want to read... Verses 1 through 12 to kind of get a recap of what happened last week, because there is a therefore in verse 13, which is where our message is going to start. So there's a therefore. So we've got to figure out what's the there for. But first, let's pray. Lord, you are so good. You are worthy to be praised. We just ask that you would come and teach us. Lord, help us to understand your word Help us to apply it to our lives. Let it change us. Let us be people of action. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our minds for action. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak through me to bring glory to Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's start off. First, Peter, chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are the elect exiles of the dispersion. Okay, elect exiles. Mom, well, we saw that last week. Elect means chosen. Exiles. Exiles are sojourners in an area. So the great example is Chris was a sojourner in Liberia. So those that are chosen sojourners here on Earth that have been scattered in modern day Turkey. That's where those places are that are mentioned there. Okay. So this is for Christians that have been scattered, that are on the earth for a short time. Now, here's the thing. I want to remind all of us is that we are on this earth for a very, very short time. Even if we live to be 100 years old, if you think about it, that is a very, very short amount of time. And so this message is going to say, hey, you're here for a short time. These are things that you need to do. These are things that you need to do as Christians. And so this isn't a bootstrap message, as in, man, you just need to pull yourself by your bootstraps and get to work and go do all these awesome things on your own power. Not at all. Christianity is not a bootstrap religion, as in, I'm just going to pull my boots on and get the job done. That's not how it works. This is a, okay, Lord, this is what you've called me to do. You've given me the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me, and now I'm supposed to do these things off your power yes yes remember god is the one in us working and doing okay so he's already given us the power to do these things so i don't want you to leave here thinking man uh, you know you kick the well you don't what should we kick we don't want to kick dogs what do you kick asher what do you kick all right, say you kick a rock. You don't want to leave here kick a rock and think, oh, I'm just no good. Now, that's not it. It's that God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you and you have the, the ability and you have the power to do these things. Okay, so I don't want anyone leaving here thinking, man, I just got to just do better. No, no, no. We're going to let the Lord work through us. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Now, last week we said, Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. So, let's wake up and on the count of three, say, Hallelujah. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Yeah, so now here's the thing. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God for Jesus. According to whose great mercy? What does it say? Whose great mercy are we talking about? It's His great mercy. His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again. Who caused us to be born again? Was it because we were just so good? So awesome? No, no, no. He caused us to be born again according to His great mercy. For the sinners in the room, we say, Ah. Oh, Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now that's our inheritance. We as Christians, we don't fear death because death has to do with judgment. For the unsaved. Uh, for, for the unsaved. But for those that are saved, we don't fear death because we have an inheritance. And the Bible says that it's unfading. It's kept in heaven for us. It's imperishable and it's undefiled. It can't be stolen. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Now listen, on Christmas morning, I would say this is a great, this is a great passage you say, you know what, kids? The reason why we're going to rejoice is because God saved us. We have an inheritance and we're going to be with him. And now we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ who grew up, who died on a cross, who now has purchased us. And we're here. We're his forever. And we're going to rejoice in that. We're going to rejoice in that. Though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, the reality is this, is the sanctification process as we go through this life, let's say that right here is when you started being a Christian. So let's say all this time you were not a Christian, but say you became a Christian at 17 years old. You have been going through various trials up until now. Let's say that you're you know, 55 years old now. You've gone through various trials. And here's the thing, Saint, we all go through trials. But trials, God uses trials to do things in our lives, multiple things. One of which is to strengthen our faith in our Savior. Verse 7, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it be tested by fire, may may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. This is us. Though we, here at Russell Baptist Church, have not seen Jesus, but we love Jesus. Though you do not see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So here's the thing. Peter is being used by God to write to Christians. And now, we've been given God's Word, and we're going to find out what He wants us to learn in verse 13. I hope that it changes us, to make us more like Christ. Verse 13, Therefore, therefore, so all these other truths that I just mentioned, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I like to do when I'm studying God's Word. I have to break things down into simple things that I can understand. So let's do that. We're going to break down some of these words. Preparing your minds for action. What does that mean? What does it mean to prepare your minds for action? I'm going to read this from one theologian. It says, quote, The King James Version's literal translation, gird up the loins of your mind. So if I said, listen, you just need to gird up the loins of your mind, you might be like, could you make it simpler? Goes on, quote, The figure is of a man gathering the folds of his garment and tucking it into his belt, so that he can move freely and quickly. And then he goes on to quote someone else and says, "Sloon offers "Pull yourselves together" as a comparable English idiom. So pull yourselves together. Pull yourself together. Gird up your loins. So imagine that we all wore like these long things of fabric and it was like, all right, listen, we're going to go rustle up some cattle. Let's get ready. Gird up your loins. So you're like, okay, I'm going to take my thing. I'm going to put it in and I'm ready to move. Let's go. Let's focus. Let's focus on what's going to happen. Let's prepare your minds for action. There's a movie. I really love this movie. If you guys haven't seen this movie, you should see it. It's called The Greatest Game Ever Played. The greatest game ever played. And so here's, how, here's kind of the, the setting of this movie. Talking about pulling yourself together. The setting of this movie is that there's a guy named Francis we met. He's a young, young like teenager, and he's playing in this golf tournament against all these awesome pros. And he has a caddy that's like this tall, and his name is Eddie. Okay, And so Francis, we met, is actually a really good golfer. He's doing all this stuff. He's hanging with these big dogs. But then something happens and he starts to get so stressed out. His game goes to kaput. And then he's just walking down the fairway and he's just like, and he's, he's like talking to himself over and over and over. And his caddy, this little tiny guy is looking up at him and like, oh my goodness, I need to help this guy pull himself together. Pull yourself together. And so Eddie, his caddy is like, how do I get this guy, my, the player in this, in this golf tournament to, to focus in? And so Eddie grabs something, a little present that the girl that Francis likes said, Eddie, will you give this to Francis? And so at the perfect time, Eddie takes it out and says, hey, she wanted me to give this to you. And then, and then Francis is walking, and right when that happens, he's like, what? Wait, what? she gave this to you? And it totally refocused him, and it pulled him together, and then he started playing amazing. Amazing. So you think about it, the context of this is that there's persecution going on with these Christians, hard times, various trials. And then what Peter is saying is this, listen, prepare your mind for action. Pull yourself together. Focus. Focus, be sober minded. Look, it goes on, which is vigilant. Be sober minded. Now think about it, sober, one who is not drunk with alcohol, minded, be clear in your mind, focus in, be diligent. Now here's the thing, growing up, my dad would always tell us something and it never occurred to me that if he said it in front of you guys, you would be like, the world are you talking about? He'd say, Listen, Rusty, cut your head in. Raise your hand if you ever heard that term, cut your head in. It was like it was like an everyday occurrence for me, which was Rusty, be sober minded. Focus. Rusty, cut your head in. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I don't know where he. Where he where he found it, but what we're talking about is this. I'm going to use some of my terms, or and this 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 other guy. Therefore, pull yourselves together and cut your head in, which is focus. Be diligent. And now, what are we supposed to focus on? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. No matter what you're going through, the various trials that they're going through, and I can guarantee that every one of us is going through some sort of trial because that's how our God sanctifies us, makes us more like Christ. And so here's what it is. Focus in, be vigilant, vigilant and set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is this. Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is going to return. And so if we live every day, in every conversation, in every part of our lives thinking that our God could return at any moment, we're going to live lives that please God. We just are. It's when we are not sober-minded and our minds aren't prepared for action, that's when we end up going into sin. So we end up going backwards. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, here's the thing. Why does the Bible tell us this? Because it's a temptation for all of us. As obedient children, as in you belong to God, he's your father. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't go back to your old life. Don't go back to your old life. Christian, don't go back to your old life. Some of the reasons why we go back to our old life is because maybe we've been sold a Christianity that was not Christian. It wasn't from the Bible, which is come to Jesus, you'll be healthy, you'll be wealthy, and everything will go your way. And so if you've come to Christ based on that, you're like, man, I just can't wait because now I'm a Christian man. everything's going to go awesome. Well, no, it's not going to go awesome. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee it's not going to go awesome. The Bible says that you're going to be persecuted now because Satan hates you and that's just going to be how, you know, how it is. That's one of the reasons why people go back. Another reason why people go back to their old life is because they forsake the gathering of the brethren. They end up putting other things in place of what God's called us to do as the church, which is to come together. And some of them could be pretty, you know, not outright sinful, but they slowly stop gathering together with the brethren. And then another reason, the last reason, is just our flesh is strong. And this world is strong. And the world packages things pretty amazing for us to buy them, as in to partake in them. But what God is telling us, listen, don't go back to your old lives. Look at verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That's from Leviticus. Leviticus. So here's the point, is that we want to live lives that are set apart from the world. And we look at Jesus, and we want to pattern our lives just like Jesus. So saying, you know why you should be holy? You know why you should be set apart? You know why you should be pure in your life? You know why sin shouldn't be in your life? Because he who called you is holy, and you're supposed to be like him. We want to be like Christ. You shall be holy for I am holy. So here's a question. Here's a question for you to answer. Are you holy? As in, are you pure in heart? Or has sin gotten a hold of you? Has sin gotten a hold of you? If sin's gotten a hold of you, what you're called to do is repent and come back to the Lord. Say, Lord, man, I'm sorry. And listen, sin could have gotten a hold of you on the way here. And you're like, ah, oh, man. It just got a foothold in me. So when you go home, set it straight. Or you might have been going for years with sin getting a hold of you. And if I said, would you consider yourself holy? Holy. Your answer would be, no, I don't consider myself holy. Look at verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, Focus on that one section that says, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time of exile, verse 17. So what does that mean? That what, Why are we supposed to conduct ourselves with fear throughout our times of exile? Well, remember, exile is we're sojourners here on earth. We're here for a short time. Well, what does that word fear mean? Well, the lexicon explains that word fear is this, in this particular situation, Is often fear on the reverential side in reference to God. So let me insert that into that sentence. Conduct yourselves with reverential awe throughout your time as you sojourn on the earth. Because here's the thing Saint, every Christian will be judged, you will be judged. And you won't be judged for salvation because that's already been purchased for you. It's already been given to you. But your works will be judged. God knows everything that each one of us is doing. And so if you think about that, think about this. I'm going to read that section again, knowing that you are going to be judged based on what you've done, based on your works, not to gain salvation. If you call on him, who Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with reverential awe throughout your sojourning here on earth, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Listen, do you guys understand that those who are Christians are Owned by God. They've been purchased by Him. And He says, This I'm commanding you to live in a way that's holy. Look at verse 22 having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So let's break this down. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, which is, we're called to love each other. The Bible says we're called to love each other, verse 23, since you have been born again. So if I said, you know what, why should we love each other? You'd say, Rusty, because I've been born again. The Bible says that God is love. God lives inside of me, therefore I must love. Look at verse 24. For all flesh like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass, The grass withers and the flower fails. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So what's being quoted here is out of Isaiah chapter 40. And I want us to focus on this, that God's word remains forever. Therefore, it can be trusted. So here's the thing. One of the things you should ask is like, Rusty, well, why should I be obedient to this? Because God's word remains forever, and so therefore it can be trusted. This can be trusted. Not everything can be trusted, but this can be trusted. Here's a story about trust. There wasn't. There. There is a young man named Jacob Smith. He grew up snow skiing. He liked to snow ski, and then at eight years old, he started to bump into things. So Jacob would be walking, and then he tells the story that he would just like, bam, he'd run into the wall. And his mom saw this, and she thought, man, that's weird. So she took him to an eye doctor. They sat him down. They looked at his eyes, and automatically the doctor said, looked to the mom, said, what hospital do you want him to go to? As in, there is a major problem. When that doctor looked inside of his eyes, something happened. Well, they took him to the doctor, to the hospital, and there was a big tumor pushing on his brain that was causing his vision to be blurred. They put him into emergency surgery. He had multiple surgeries. At the end, he became legally blind. He became legally blind. And so here's this little eight-year-old, legally blind. And his dad said, listen, I didn't want that to define him. So I said, the snow skiing was a really big part of their life. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to teach my legally blind son to snow ski. Now here's what happened. Let me read it to you. Quote, legally blind 15-year-old. Caleb, or Jacob Smith, shredding expectations in free ride skiing. On competition days, his little brother Preston patiently helps him hike to the top of the venue. It's so high, the lifts, that's the ski lifts, won't take you there. Then his father Nathan helps him get down. Jacob has a two-way radio turned up high in his pocket. His dad is on the other end at the base, somehow calming, guiding him down. So here's what happened. Is Jacob is putting his faith in his dad to guide him down. So here's the scene, is that Jacob is way up on this mountain, and you should see some of the stuff that this guy is snow skiing. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, they say it's like a 50% slope where if you fell, you probably wouldn't be able to stop. And so they've got his legally blind son way up there on the mountain. It's a free riding competition. And his dad is down at the base with a two-ray radio. He's coaching his son. He's guiding him down the mountain. He trusts his dad. He fully trusts his father to get him from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the mountain safely. Saying, we Christians put our faith in the word of God, which is guiding us through this life. And so imagine this, is that we're up on this mountain and we're freaked out. One of the things that Jacob says is he gets to a part. He's so high on the mountain. He said, sometimes if it feels you move in the wrong direction, then you'll die. I mean, the ski lifts don't go up to where he's at. I've seen the things. I snow skied when we lived in California and it's like this. I mean, it is straight down. It's just crazy. But he's put his faith in his dad. And, Saint, the reason why you could put your faith in God's Word is because it's everlasting. It's the everlasting Word of God. You could put your faith in this. See, here's the thing, is that nations rise and fall. There's this amazing map called the Histo Map, And what it is, is that it's all of these nations, all of these countries, and they start up here, and they start 2,000 years ago. This is when this guy did this. He did it in 1931. If you want to look it up, it's called a Histo map. It's pretty amazing. And at the top, it lists Egypt, and it goes through and it lists all these different countries. And then it, 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 it follows them down, and then it shows when they ended. And then this one ended. And then this one started. And then this nation rose up and took over this one. And then this one ended, 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 ended. And way at the bottom, way at the bottom, it's like the, the graph is really big. Way at the bottom is there's this little tiny little section, which is the United States of America. Saying, we, we didn't start very long ago. And you look at all the things that have risen and fallen. But God's word has remained forever. It remains forever. And so that's one thing I want to encourage you guys as we close here is that, listen, God's word could be trusted because it remains forever. Let me read that section to you again. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers. And the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And here's the, here's the most amazing thing. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, Here's the good news. The good news is this, is that Jesus Christ wants a relationship with us. He died on a cross paying the penalty for our sins. He rose again demonstrating that he has the power of a sin and death. And he says, whosoever comes to me, I will not turn away. I will set free. I will save. But understand this. When you do that, you turn from your old lifestyle, and then you live a life of holiness, of purity, and you're going to be sanctified. And so I'll say this, if something inside of you has just been tearing at you and you've been just going day after day after day and you know something inside of you is like you need a change. Something needs to change. That could be the Holy Spirit sanctifying you and calling you to do something different. Calling you to do something different. And so I would encourage you, if you're a Christian and you feel that God is prompting you to do something, to make a change in your life, you need to make that change. God's word can be trusted. It's everlasting. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can trust your word. We thank you that's everlasting. Unlike the rising and falling of nations, the Romans were so powerful and now they're done. Men call themselves to be great, and now they're dead. Great buildings were made, and now they've been torn down. But your word remains forever. Lord, we thank you that you've saved us, and you've called us to a future and a hope that we get to be with you forever, that we have an inheritance that no one can take from us. It never grows old. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, let us love your word deeper and deeper every time we open it. Lord, let us love each other more and more every time we're reminded to love. Lord, and let us love you more and more each day as we're on the sanctification process. Lord, if there's anyone in here that needs to make a change, they've just, they're they're Christian, they're yours, but you're calling them to make a change. Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to make the change. Give them the confidence in you that you're gonna make it all right. And Father, I pray that you would continue to heal those that are sick amongst us. Lord, and that we would be a church that fully trusts your word. We thank you for the miracles that you do when you make dead men come alive, saving them and setting them free. Lord, I pray that you would continue to do that, do miracles here. We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.